Good morning and welcome to our service here at Dollar Glendevin and Muckert on Sunday the 28th of February 2021. We'll start our service today with an introit, Come All Ye People, sung by the choir of Lansdowne Parish Church in Glasgow. travel into the second week of Lent, let us join together in prayer using the words from this simple prayer from the Iona community. O Christ the Master Carpenter, who at the last, through wood and nails, purchased our whole salvation, wield well your tools in the workshop of your world, so that we who come rough-hewn to your workbench, may be fashioned to a truer beauty by your hand. Amen. And now let us pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, now and for ever. Amen. Today we are considering what church means. As an introduction, I thought I would retell this story which Ian Goring introduced to us. Forgive me if you've heard it before, but I think it's a great modern parable that bears retelling. It's about a lifeboat station. On a dangerous sea coast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude little lifeboat station. The building was no more than a hut, and there was only one boat. But the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea. With no thought for themselves, they went out day and night, tirelessly searching for the lost. Some of those who were saved, and various others in the surrounding area, wanted to be associated with the station, and give their time, their money, and the effort to support the work. What happened was new boats were bought and new crews trained and the little lifeboat station grew. 
Now, some of these new members of the lifeboat station were unhappy that the building was so crude and poorly equipped. They felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those who were saved from the sea. They replaced the emergency cots with beds and put better furniture in the, in the enlarged building. And now the lifeboat station became a popular gathering place for its members and they decorated it beautifully and furnished it exquisitely because they used it as a sort of a club. Fewer members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do this work. The life-saving motif still prevailed in this club's decoration, and there was a memorial lifeboat in the room where the club initiations were held. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick, and some of them were foreigners. The beautiful new club was in chaos. Immediately, the property committee hired someone to rig up a shower house outside the club where victims of shipwrecks could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities because they felt they were unpleasant and a hindrance to normal social life of the club. A small number of members insisted upon life-saving as their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. The small group's members were voted down and told that if they wanted to save lives, they could begin their own lifeboat station down the coast. And they did. As the years went by, however, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old station. It evolved into a club, and yet another life station, saving station, was founded. History continued to repeat itself, and if you visit that seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are frequent in those waters, but most of the passengers drown. As disciples of Jesus, our primary task is to go and make disciples. To put it another way, we are to go and save lives. Unfortunately, we sometimes forget our purpose. We need to recover our passion for life-saving. We need to be the doers of the word and not hearers only. Before I go on, we'll listen to a hymn, We Are the Church, which is sung by the Inverclyde Junior Choir. Church is not. 
Our first reading is from Acts chapter 4, reading verses 32 to 33. All believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Our second reading is from John chapter 17, reading verses 20 to 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Alex, for bringing us those readings. Many church surveys have been conducted over the years and figures can be skewed to bring about any conclusion you fancy. However, I felt there was a fundamental truth in a survey conducted in America of nearly a thousand churches asking the question, why does the church exist? Of the members surveyed, 89% said, the church's purpose is to take care of my families and my needs. For many, the role of the pastor is simply to keep the sheep that are already in the pen happy and not to lose too many of them. Only 11% said the purpose of the church is to win the world for Jesus Christ. Then the pastors of the same churches were asked why the church exists. Amazingly, the results were exactly the opposite. Of the pastors surveyed, 90% said the purpose of the church was to win the world and 10% said it was to care for the needs of the members. I wonder if we would get a similar result if we surveyed our churches in Scotland. I suspect we might get a more thoughtful, measured answer. I think we all know our purpose. But underneath it all, I wonder if we sometimes tend to be a bit of a club, a bit like those lifeboat stations we heard about earlier. Maybe the starting point for every church should be the question, why do we exist? Until we know what our church exists for, we will have no foundation, no motivation, no direction and no unity early church knew why they existed and they were unified about that purpose. As we heard in our first reading from Acts, Jesus had enlisted his followers not to a life of leisure but to a life of service. While each had a different task, they all had the same calling to fulfil the great commission in their generation. They had one leader, Jesus, one purpose to communicate the gospel to all people. These early disciples did more for the spread of Christianity than any generation of followers since. What was their secret? All the believers shared in this unity. Not just the apostles, not just the leaders. All the believers were unified. There was a fundamental solidarity of love and purpose. 
to be one in heart and mind is to be unified in every fibre of their being. They shared their lives and their possessions with one another. It went beyond a kind word and a pat on the back. They gave priority to meeting the physical and practical needs that were evident in the community. Writer Chuck Swindle wrote, Churches need to be less like national shrines and more like bars, less like untouchable cathedrals and more like well-used hospitals, places to bleed in rather than monuments to look at, places where you can take your mask off and let your hair down, places where you can have your wounds dressed. The early disciples found that in their community of faith, just like our story of the lifeboat station, we need to be an accessible, welcoming place where people are attracted not to the building or the club, but to the love of Christ being lived out in the lives of its members. The men and women of the early church shared an enterprise together. I'm sure they did assemble for family gatherings or, or making sure their community's physical needs were met and for fellowship all of which are vital to the growth of us as Christians. However, they also came together in order to attain an objective. They linked arms not just for comfort and support, but to reach out to those not yet linked up with them. The members of a church are a group of people from various backgrounds with different interests and different perspectives who have been called together for a purpose. That purpose is to cooperate together in reaching out beyond our walls so that others can know the love of Jesus Christ. We are in the life-saving business. That endeavour is accomplished best when we understand that we are a family of friends in partnership with each other. The Church of Scotland is a great example of a broad church all working to one aim, and every church fellowship across the country has an important role in its mission. The church is evolving as we speak, and new ways of being church are emerging, partly because of the pandemic and partly through necessity. The early Christians quickly realised that their diversity could either be a source of division or a source of power. They chose the latter. They were not all alike. There was a plethora of opinion, a wide assortment of gifts, but they found ways to integrate their differences into a symphonic whole to create a singleness of spirit, of identity and of purpose whose unifying centre was Christ. Just look how Jesus welcomed everyone, especially those on the margins of society. In a matter of weeks, the church went from the upper room to every living room in Jerusalem. It's estimated by scholars that during the first 25 years of the Jerusalem church, it grew from 120 people to over 100,000 people. That's power manifested. I think there's a direct correlation between our faithfulness to God's plan and God's favour in our lives. If we want to experience God's blessings, we need to first be obedient to his purpose. On the last night of his life, Jesus prayed a prayer that stands as a beacon for all Christians. 
we heard it read by Alex earlier in John 17, verses 20 to 23. Jesus prayed for his disciples that they would love each other as they went forward to love the world for him. He prayed for his disciples and for all those who would come to faith in Jesus Christ, becoming his followers. That means you and me. In his last prayer, Jesus prayed that you and I be one. Unity matters to God. The Father wants us to love each other. If unity creates belief, then disunity fosters disbelief. How can the world come to believe the gospel if those who already believe it are battling amongst themselves? Disunity is a stumbling block for people coming to faith. Our churches in Scotland need to be places of unity and places of love, a community of faith that looks after each other and who welcomes the stranger and the neighbour with open arms. Now more than ever, as we emerge from the pandemic into a different world, we must strive not to be an inward-looking club, but an all-expansive welcoming refuge for all, where we can lovingly take the message of Jesus Christ to a divided world. That's our purpose. Let's be unified in it. Amen. And now let us pray. From our hearts we thank you for the, for the height and depth, the length and breadth of Christ's love. When on a cross with outstretched arms, he embraced us all. Thank you for the great hope we have that because Christ is risen, one day there will be no more death or crying or pain, that nations shall beat their swords into ploughshares and not learn war any more. God of grace, trusting in your promises, confident of your love, we bring our prayers for others to you today. Crucified, risen and ascended Lord Jesus, you bring before the throne of God our prayers and concerns. There you are our advocate and that of our sisters and brothers. Let us think about people in various situations at this time. People who are hungry, Remembering the increased use of food banks and the rise of food poverty in our country, giving thanks for initiatives that ensure meals are provided for children. Some people are homeless, without shelter or adequate clothing. We think of how varied their circumstances have been during this time of coronavirus. We remember the work of care vans, shelters, charities and all who help people out of homelessness. Many people face times of hardship in these days, people whose jobs have gone, businesses facing collapse, families worried about paying the rent or mortgage. We think of initiatives designed to offer support and remember those in government, local and national, whose decisions affect the lives of many. People are unwell or mentally distressed at this time because of coronavirus and other illnesses. Whether at home or in hospital, let us also remember all who care, giving thanks for their dedication and skills. 
thankful for the work of scientists and those in charge of the logistics as they make vaccines available, remembering especially people in the poorer nations. Let us also take some moments to bring before you the private prayers of our hearts, letting our cry come to God, knowing that he is listening. These prayers we offer to you, God of grace, God of promises kept. By the strength your Spirit gives, may we journey with Jesus into life in all its fullness, that your kingdom of love and justice may be known all the more among us and in your world, and may many may see Jesus in all his glory. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today, and we hope you can be with us again next week. We'll close with a blessing, followed by another hymn, The Peace of the Earth Be With You, sung by the Scottish Festival Singers. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen.